1: McFarlane, McFarlane Energy, thank you once again for sponsoring the Bradfoe Show. And today, I want to also extend a very hearty thank you to John Tomasi of NBC Sports Boston, formerly of WEI.
0: wasn't Odyssey. Well, you never part of Odyssey, right? I was never part of Odyssey. I was part of Enercom, Ener- Entercom, yeah. uh, but Odyssey Maybe is easier to say, so I wish I had been part radio. of
1: Radio.com. Um, but but now you are you cover the Red Sox for NBC Sports Boston and you do so expertly. And today, and now as we slumber through the offseason, waiting and waiting and waiting, bemoaning that there is no deadline like in the NFL or the NBA or the NHL, like there should be, and thinking of times gone by like last year where it was so delicious. Where you had a lockout was the best. It was the best, wasn't it? Because you had all that stuff and you knew it was going to end on December 1st. And then you knew that you didn't have to do anything for like three
0: months. Boom. Well, Rob, let me just, as a professional, I still found ways to produce content for those three months. I want to make that clear. Uh, but the fact that there was no day to day, like having to care about, out oh, do the Red Sox do anything today? That part was magical. That's and what I, and I would welcome. That. That's I, what I, I Listen, just,
1: you you wake out, you wake up every day, spring out of bed, and you say, "How can I? How can I basically serve the the readers of NBC Sports Boston and also the viewers as well?" And you now, left out
0: one part. You left out the part where I put on mm, a suit, mm, like I, I do right now. For I only put this on for the Bradfoe show. Just so you know, uh, so suit first. Just so I look the part, then I can be the part, and then I get to the business of producing Red Sox stories that people will want to read. Spicy. <laughs>
1: uh, that's that's I basically did that whole thing just to cut it to put on Twitter. Ah, uh, so <laughs> so that, and that's what we do. So, but but. But today you sprung out of bed, as you always do, ready to put on your suit and and report on the great game of baseball. And you knew today was going to be a big day. We knew everything was going to ramp up to about 4 o'clock. Four, between 4 and 6, stuff was going to happen. Right? Correct? We yes. knew this? Yep. Okay. Yep. And it was going to start with – so what we're going to do is pick through this a little bit. And I'm anxious to get your take. We're going to start with the first news of the day, which is Nathan avaldi does, does not accept the qualifying offer, the one-year $19.65 million uh, guaranteed for next year. Instead, he remains a free agent, and by doing so, if he signs with another team... That team that signs them will have to pay a penalty in the form of draft picks, even potentially, I believe, international signing bonus pool money. It's a crap load of stuff. Like, so, like, I was looking at when, if the Phillies sign Bogarts, you have to give up the second, their second overall, their fifth overall, and like a million dollars or something like that in international signing pool bonus money. Now, for Bogarts, okay, you know, maybe price of doing business. But with Ivaldi, this is why you thought maybe, maybe, maybe he might take the qualifying offer. When you woke up this morning, sprung
0: out of bed and put on your suit, did you think he was going to take the qualifying offer? I thought that they were just going to have a multi-year deal ready to go, and they were going to announce that instead. But failing that... I for sure thought he was going to take it because you you look at somebody like Tyler Anderson who signed later in the day, right? So I think he got three and 39 from the Angels Mm -hmm. coming off a much better season than Evaldi. He was healthy, you know, so that's the biggest thing. And that sort of makes me feel like, God, I wonder if Evaldi missed the boat. Now it might just simply be, that the Red Sox and here close to a multi-year deal and you know the Red Sox now have a little bit more leverage over him in a weird way because even though he's the free agent all the stuff you laid out the draft picks depending on where teams fit you know with the luxury tax the Phillies were over it the Red Sox were over it so those teams are going to have to give up more another team would give up less but that said nobody wants to give up draft picks for anyone right now so I feel like this improves the Red Sox bargaining position with Evaldi. You know, that may be proven totally wrong. We don't really have a good idea of where this market is headed yet, other than to know that there's going to be a lot more money in it uh, just because of the luxury tax threshold going up and all of that. But to come back to your original question, I assumed that by the end of today, Evaldi would be a member of the Red Sox. So I'm a little surprised that he's not, at least not yet. You raise a lot of good points,
1: including that you know, that, that now you talk about leverage, it would seem that the Red Sox have a lot of leverage because of exactly what you're talking about, which is you know that you, you have to give up, you have to pay the penalty for a guy and um you know for a a, a guy that if you sign Evaldi to a two year contract, if you're another team, do you want to sign that two year contract and then allocate draft picks to go with that two year contract? It's a difference. As I'll come back to the Bogarts thing, it's different if you're signing a guy to a six-year contract. You're like, well, okay, you give up draft pick for that, but for something like a two or three-year contract, is it worth it? I mean, I don't know. Now, you also mentioned how much money's out there. This is the unknown right? that with these relief pitchers coming off the board, it was the the shot across the bow. A lot of people thought of there's going to be a lot of money flying around. So there'll be a lot of deals to be had. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's what they're thinking. Now, I didn't think they were going to get a deal done. Like, I I, I thought that you know, this whole multi-year offer was the old Red Sox. We're interested in you, Kyle Schwarber, and then we're going to come $41 million short. <laughs> so um, I didn't think they were going to get a deal done. I think the Red Sox are playing this – like they're probably playing Bogarts to the extent of they're banking on the market following to the player or the, does that make sense? They're banking on the, yeah, they're banking on basically the market coming back to where they're
0: sitting instead of the market going up. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Yeah, so I guess my question to you would be, are they more in your mind, are they more hopeful that that scenario unfolds where he doesn't get the great deal he comes back to them they get him on their terms or have they already won where it's like we're now getting draft pick compensation for a player that it certainly seemed like a gamble to offer him the qualifying offer just based on how his season ended based on the big velocity drop, the shoulder injury, all of that stuff, you would think that he would be pretty motivated potentially to take it. Now that he hasn't taken it, is that what they wanted all along so they can get compensation for him? I think that's an interesting question too. I don't know if this is about we want to keep him on our terms or we want to get something for him when he leaves. I think it's both. I think we'll take you on our terms. And, and and like you said,
1: if not, we'll take the draft picks because – I don't know if you know this, Nathan Valde, but with you, we have six starters. And and I know that it's you know, you're dealing with Chris Sale and James Paxson and a rookie, Brian Bayo, and but you have six starters, Pavetta and Whitlock. I, I'm not a math major, but that's six if you include a And you'll say, well, you need six starters. That's fine, but usually when you start a year, you you like to say you know here are our five starters and then a guy swing guy or something like that or a guy in the minor leagues, but you know I, I think you hit the nail on the head that they they're like okay you know if if it works out great we not only have a guy that we could that we feel good about putting in rotation and we'll figure out the six starter thing later and we got it at our price and by the way he's a great mentor to the Whitlocks of the world and great clubhouse guy which is obviously important. And so, and if they don't, we get draft picks. Yeah. So I think that that's exactly what they're thinking. They're not, I don't think they're going to be chasing this one. Uh, if a team comes in and says, Hey, uh, we're going to offer you, you know, like two years at 36 or two
0: years at 38. Do you think that? I mean, do you think the Red Sox would match that? I don't. No. Although, if you're willing to go one and 19, why wouldn't you go two and because it's two? Yeah. Well, Here's my bigger thing. I don't really understand what they're doing with the rotation with Evaldi. Uh I would feel better, frankly, without him because you mentioned it. You have so many question marks. If you're counting on Chris Sale for anything, then you are just you are living in the land of hope and wishful thinking. And I don't think that's a good way to build a rotation. No, Same thing never, goes for Paxton. never live in the land of hope and wishful thinking. I can speak <laughs> yeah, that. Never live. Pavetta. Pavetta is what he is you know a fourth or fifth starter we treated him like a number one last year because he took the ball every five days but he's not that good I mean he's up and down but but he's he's also
1: but he's also here like unless they trade him like that's fine if you want to call him a
0: fourth or fifth starter but he's not going to the bullpen, right? No, 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 no. So just just hear me out. So, okay. sale, unreliable, Evaldi because of the injuries like throughout his career and the way he ended last year and particularly the big drop in velocity 3 or 4 miles an hour from pre-injury to post-injury. Uh like you mentioned Bayo, we don't know what Garrett Whitlock is as a starter. He may be better suited for the bullpen. I know they want to st- him to start. I know he wants to start. That might not Paxton. Like, what do you expect out of Paxton, a guy who hasn't pitched in two years? So I'm just wondering, what are they doing with the rotation? I thought this was going to be the offseason where they had to go get someone more established. Maybe it's not Rodon because you don't want to pay $180 million or whatever he's going to cost. But whether it was DeGrom for high AAV or Verlander or somebody like that level, I really thought that's what they were going to be looking to do so we didn't have a repeat of last year where every three out of every five days were Cutter Crawford and Josh Winkowski and you know next year maybe it'll be Murphy like whoever these AAA guys I thought they were going to try to find more certainty in the rotation and it just seems like the exact opposite I'm really surprised that and and there's still a lot of offseason left to prove yeah. this wrong but for where we stand right now it just feels like are we really running this back Next year, with just oh, this is the year that sale will be healthy. Like, good luck if that's how you're thinking about. It. No, I I think that like I think
1: the key thing you said there is a lot of off season. and if I had to predict what was going to happen, I would predict that whether it's a Valdi or a guy that they trade for, that there's going to be the, this dynamic which I I I talked about before, this six starter thing, and maybe even seven starter. But I do think that. They are going to find another guy that they feel like that's that is definitely a one through three. Like I def, I I think that that's where they're going to land. I don't know who that is. And you know, who can throw out you know, like at free agency. I just have no confidence they're going to win any sort of bidding war, especially for a pitcher. Like, you know, you know, I just don't think that's going to happen. But they could trade for somebody that we we aren't even thinking about, and there's your guy. And then and then what we'll hear is that we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So yeah,
0: yeah. So. Listen, I'm okay with if they if however they get them if they go out and get somebody where you say oh, okay this guy could conceivably start game one of a playoff series whatever I'm fine with that. But just the way it looks now where they're Accumulating six and seven. We didn't even mention Hauk. I mean, technically they're telling him to be ready to start as well. We have six or seven guys who are all kind of the same level, whether it's unproven or injury questions or whatever, just so many question marks. Like, why are why are you building a rotation of question marks? But I will stand down and we'll see how the off season unfolds. That's just how I feel right now.
1: Listen, your instincts are keen. That's all I could tell you. They're as keen as my jacket in the backdrop you and the NBC backdrop I mean, that I bought off it, today it is amazing it is like your whole seat like how far you come oh my goodness you should seat. see the
0: lighting i have up here this is this is the real deal And I will tell you that I have now worked in TV long enough where I am much more comfortable talking straight into the camera than looking at you down there on the screen. I'm not even looking at you. I'm just talking into the camera. (laughs) I I don't like to talk to people anymore. I only talk to cameras.
1: It's kind of creepy. (laughs) I'm just
0: staring right
1: at you. Do like I it's do like ways. that movie like, What when, when, when the video comes out and you're like looking to the side and you're like wait, I thought I was looking at the right place. And, <laughs> no, I don't I it's, all I John, I'm just a podcaster. I
0: don't, you know, yeah. what I don't know what you expect from me, a okay? humble podcaster, uh, just a humble podcaster, the humble podcaster starting his empire. It's just I, I, I,
1: I, we're gonna look, we're gonna look back a year from now and say, remember that time when he did these podcasts with a T-shirt as his backdrop? Yeah, <laughs> those are good times.
0: I will just tell you real quickly. I put on the suit expecting this to be the baseball isn't boring podcast, but I'm happy to get dressed up for the Bradfoe show as well. Wow, well, that's
1: old school. I, I felt like you were. Pro- That's why you were a little nervous because you're not used to going national. You're <laughs> usually, you're not just it's just going to fi- find people of New England. Um, but if listen, anytime you want to come on the the baseballs and boring podcast, you have an open invitation to talk about uh, the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Um, I'm your guy. (laughs) So, the Wi Fi in that stadium sucks. That's all I can tell you. I do want, and and I do want you to give me ideas. And some, I think Coop had a good idea for, we're talking about, like, we already have, we've had, how many managers have we had? Well, we had Cora on, we had David Ross on, but a good one of, because, you know, we can do a lot of different things on that podcast, a lot of different, you can, you know, have in depth interviews or topical, whatever. But, Get some managers on to talk about the art of arguing a call with an ump. Don't you think that would be a good one?
0: It, it, it is, except there's just not a lot of like opportunity to do it now because everything's reviewable. So it's it's not what it used to be. You know, I saw I missed the days of Farrell going out there and losing his mind because that was really the last manager we saw who was able to do that before replay and all that stuff came in and ruined it.
1: And, and the the uh, the um, sister podcast to this podcast on the very same day with Dayton Moore on the Baseballs and Boring podcast, he said he actually voted against Instant Replay for that exact reason. He said he thought he was going to take the emotion out of the game. Sure enough, it did. But I got the call right. right.
0: I hate replay. I would get rid of replay in every sport. I would replay nothing. Get stuff wrong, it's fine. It adds to the drama.
1: Well, the good news is that the bases are going to be bigger, so nobody's going to get anything wrong. So <laughs> uh uh all right. So after the Evaldi thing comes out, then we we anxiously await the news of who is gonna be on the Red Sox 40-man roster. What happened there was that the Red Sox added Chris Murph pitcher Chris Murphy, Brandon Walter, uh outfielder Sedan Raphaela. Will Am I pronouncing this right? Will you, Bray? You will you? No, honestly, I don't know, but okay. I th- we will say yes for now. He
0: came over in the Houston
1: trade. Yep. Uh, David Hamilton came over in the uh, Alex Spinellas trade,
0: and they, <laughs> that's they, how the world looks at that.
1: They had to they had to clear out uh, two spots. So a uh, friend of the Bradfoe show, um, a guest of the Bradfo show, Jake Reed. Nice. It was. It, we'll always remember that episode. But he's gone now. Jake Reed, Caleb Hamilton, um, they're both gone. So, so you know, this is, this is the ultimate – the 40-man roster stuff a lot of times can drive me nuts. Um, the screaming and the yelling about who they should put on, who they shouldn't put on, and then ultimately looking at the 40-man roster and saying, how in the world is that guy still on the 40-man roster? Yep. And it like all of it, it's, it's this ult- is the ultimate people who love to tie themselves in a knot to think they
0: know what they're talking about. Right. Am I wrong? Oh, my God. I mean, like, listen, Franchi's still on there. Right. So, like, there's someone if you had a player you just absolutely couldn't afford to lose, you could probably let him go. They didn't. I'll tell you the two words that I never want to hear again. And I'm as guilty as anyone of writing them because they're kind of an easy story. Roster crunch. Red Sox. Good problem to have. They have a 40 man mm-hmm. roster crunch. And then what ends up happening is all the guys we think they absolutely positively have to protect. They don't, you know, I, I'm going to butcher his name. I'm sorry. Is it Winkleman, Winkleman Gonzalez, yeah. right? Am oh, I getting that right? Well, listen, I've already gotten text from Will Fleming who's saying, how could they not protect Crunchy. <laughs> It's Franchi. Um, yeah. That's a Will Fleming, right? Um, no, but so there's there's tons and tons of guys uh, where you say, roster crunch, they have so much great talent. And at the end of the day, it really turns out that anyone below double A, you really don't have to protect. Uh, that's the route that they've gone. That's why they didn't protect Raphael last year. I know there ended up not being a 40 man, but still he would have been exposed to it if there had, or a rule five, I should say, uh, if that had happened. So... I just kind of look at that. I'm with you. I feel like we expend a lot of energy, like breathlessly reporting who they're going to protect. The one name that did interest me a little bit was Hamilton, just because I'm trying to remember if he was considered a lock for that or not. But when you think about his one skill, his one standout skill, it does play into, you know, what the rules changes are supposed to uh, help, you know, next year in terms of base stealing and all of that. And so the fact that he has that going for him, uh, you know, suggests. All right, that's probably a smart move to make sure that somebody doesn't nab him just to be a stolen base threat, even if he's not an everyday player.
1: Oh, I think absolutely. I think a year ago that that doesn't happen. I think this is was all about that. This is and that's great. You know, I I love the. Uh, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But this idea that you could actually have guys stealing bases again—that's great. But the, absolutely, that was guaranteed. So one. So I'm looking through the 40 man roster right now. And one thing that sort of jumps out, and maybe this is fair or maybe it's unfair, I don't know. But a lot of these guys who were like, eh, 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 are guys that Heimblum traded for, okay? okay. So I'll give you some names. Um, Emmanuel, well, Emmanuel Valdez, he's hitting the crap out of the ball all over the, the place. Okay? He's the center. He, was, I, he wasn't yep. at it today, but I get him, Okay. Yep. Uh, abreu. Will you're abreu? Like, now, is another, if another team plucked him, would anyone care? Eh. He's certainly, of the two guys they got for
0: Vasquez, he was number two. Um, you care in so only insofar as you traded Vasquez to get him, and that was an unpopular move. So you can't trade for a guy and then turn around and lose. Well, him. you could have. I mean, I think
1: that Emmanuel um, um, Valdez is getting so much heat, like, you could probably get away with it, but. They chose not to. Um, then you have David Hamilton, as you mentioned, you know, traded for in the Alex Benellas trade. Yu Chang. Okay. Yu Chang. We saw him play. Yep. You know, maybe he can play in the major leagues super, but I don't know if he's a difference maker. Uh um, oh, I do. I can answer that. He is not. Okay. Continue. Okay. <laughs> uh and here's the ultimate one. I just can't get my head around this. And as I woke up this morning, I never thought I uttered the words. I can't get my head around this when I'm wrenching the name Ronaldo Hernandez. Okay, <laughs> so Ronaldo Hernandez catching Her- is hard Her- to find. I guess that sort of Ronaldo Hernandez to. was the guy. He came over from Tampa in the Jeffrey Springs trade, correct? Yep. Which we know doesn't matter. They lost that trade because Springs was really, really good. Yeah. Fine. I mean, that's it happens. And Ronaldo Hernandez was a guy. When they traded for him, we heard, you know, they tying themselves in the knots. People tying themselves in the knots, saying, "Oh, this guy. Oh, how would they ever get him?" I, don't. Uh, he was the eighth-ranked prospect of the Rays. Huge
0: steal. Heim
1: robbed his little
0: team. Sure.
1: And and he has done nothing. Like he has done nothing in the minor leagues. Every once in a while, Pop's up, had a good week or whatever. I'm not. Listen, this is not disparaging the Hernandez clan. But it's, but it's when you're looking at guys, and maybe it just it's the position. But I'm sorry, it's okay. You don't need three catchers on the 40 man roster, and if you lost for Ronaldo Hernandez, you can find another third catcher in the org-
0: in in the organization somewhere. Yes or no? Absolutely. I mean, to, like to sort of build on this, I-, I wrote about this today in NBC Sports Boston. Their farm system. So we've heard a lot since bloom you know he said it on your podcast at the end of the season what he arrived to the farm system was a mess it needed to be rebuilt it needed to be you know something that could provide depth to the big league team all of that okay there's been such a huge focus on that over the last three years to the exclusion many times of the big league team i feel like now we're at the point where all right you know three years in i understand you had one high draft pick which you definitely hit on and i'm going to get to him in a second but you're kind of at a point where it's like, okay, what do we have to show for this? And unfortunately, to me, it's a lot of Hamiltons. It's a lotter, a lotter. A lot of Valdez's. It's a lot of these guys who are in like the 20 to 30 prospect ranking. And this, well, I'll bring it back. This is what I was writing about today their whole farm system really rests on Marcelo meyer like how good is he going to be if he's a franchise player then you say you brought in the right gm if he's not if he turns out to be just another guy like or even a level above that uh like some of the guys they've called up already then you really have to sort of look at this whole thing and say what what have the red sox gotten? other than saving a lot of money because they haven't been spending wildly uh what have they gotten out of bloom stewardship and i think a lot of that rests on the shoulders of that one player shortstop fourth pick in the draft is he going to be the real deal is he going to be a franchise player or is he just going to be another guy i like that take i'm going to give it a click Um, (laughs) thank
1: you but i agree and i think that you know this is this is the strategy right where you make a trade. It it, you know I I hate to keep bringing up Dombrowski's name, but it it is so interesting because you are basically flip flopping philosophies and approaches. You just are. Where when Hein makes a trade, you get five guys back. And you know, the Benintendi trade, for instance. All right, you got Franchi Cordero and Josh Minkowski. Oh wait, but don't stop there. You got three more guys. None of them will see the major leagues, but you got three more guys and. And all right, you got Winkowski, who might be a you know a major leaguer. Uh, we know what Franchi is; it's fine. But you keep getting a lot of these guys, these guys who are sort of not, who aren't impact guys. Are they? Are they guys who are going to be starters, like legit starters, like guys that you say you're a starter for the Boston Red Sox? That's the guy in Marcelo Meyer. You would hope that he would be certainly. But there's just so many of these trades where you're just getting a ton of these guys. And you know the Christian Vasquez example, like Emmanuel Valdez, I don't know what he's going to become. I don't know. All I know is that he can hit evidently and he doesn't have a position. Great. like. <laughs> but still, it's like, tell me the guy, tell me when you get the Marcelo Meyer because now I'm going to flip it back to the Dombrowski philosophy, which is, I see a guy, that one guy, whether it's a major league or whatever it is, and I am going to identify him and he is going to be a key part of my major
0: league team. Am I wrong about this? We're saying the same No. And to it. take it a step further, I will be the one trading the four guys to get the one. Always, guy. always. Yeah. Look at, look at, look at, I mean, look at the, <laughs> his very first big deal, Craig Kimbrell, four guys. Great, Kim- how can Greg you Kimmel? trade? You know, uh, Tyler Thornburg.
1: Uh, uh, I am giving bad examples, but examples that like where he he like, just kept piling on guys. Carson Smith. Um, uh, who else am I thinking of? Well, obviously, you know, sales is a different story. But and I heard these executives, John, who are like, oh man, Dave just keeps adding guys. Yeah, wh- you know why? Because who cares? It's the old exercise, okay, well, which of these guys have come back to really hurt them? And that's what you have to ask yourself. And these teams trading these guys, they can say the same things. Which of these guys have really come back to hurt? You think that the 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 Mets were like, oh, my God, I can't believe we traded Josh Winkowski. You know? Yeah. It, it's like, it, that's not a knock on Winkowski. He can be a serviceable guy, but we're talking about identifying yeah, I think this is what you're talking about. Identifying the guys who are going to be foundational guys going forward.
0: Yeah. And I just wonder who they are. Like Miguel Blase is the hot name right now. You know, center fielder, 18 years old, has yet to play in a full season league baseball American named him the best prospect in the Florida complex league. That's great. So maybe you have something there, but he's obviously far away. You know, you just look at like, and I know this isn't fair, but I'm just bottom lining this. So, Look at what the Blue Jays were able to put together where, you know, you have Kirk, the all-star catcher, and you obviously have Vlad Jr., the all-star first baseman, and you have Bo Bichette, the all-star shortstop, all of them 24 or younger. You look at what the Orioles brought up last year. Adley Rutschman, I'm not a big war guy, but he had over five war and under 400 at-bats. Like, that guy is a franchise player. And by the way, when he got called up, That just meant that there was room for Gunnar Henderson to be the number one prospect in baseball, take his place. And then when Gunnar Henderson got called up, there was room for another Orioles prospect grayson rodriguez the right-hander to jump up into the top five of the prospect list so it's like that is a pipeline you know what the astros did with bregman and correa and springer and even altuve a little before that like that's a pipeline and what the red sox have right now maybe this is unfair but you know going into year four of bloom you have meyer and i don't really know like Casas, we liked last year or casas i should say we liked him last year but jury's still out you don't know if he can stay healthy whatever like uh doesn't make a lot of contact yet maybe he's a stud but maybe he's just like an okay first baseman and so they don't have nick york you know nick york is a guy a year ago we were raving about oh bloom proved everyone wrong nobody understood that pick in the first round and look at this kid he's a future batting champ this year he had a terrible season so it's just like I just don't know where the high-end, elite, foundational prospects are coming from on this team right now.
1: Yeah, and, and it's it's funny because when you know when Heim tells me about you know we're talking about the Devers deal and comparing to the Mookie deal and the farm system's much more secure and we can spend the money because we have more support in the farm system. You have more bodies in the farm system. Like this is one of the things is that I ran into a, a, like a a guy who was scouting independent ball, and he's like, you know, where the Red Sox and Dabrowski, one of the things is that they had to fill rosters and a lot of independent ball guys. Now they don't because, yes, they have more talented guys at those levels. But to your point, that's great. You have a bunch of guys who are, are more talented than the other lowest level guys. But who are who are gonna be the guys that you know that step up? And and this is, you know, I, I maybe a year from now we're saying and I'm not gonna even say Brian
0: Bayo and, and Tristan Castle because those weren't Harm's guys. I mean, they weren't, right? No, no, neither of them. But listen, I'm not gonna like hold it against him that he developed Dombrowski's guys and that he resisted the urge no. to trade you know he didn't trade them like Dombrowski would have traded at least one of them like Bayo would have been already traded if if Dombrowski were still here I bet Casas or Casas would still be here um but but you're right I mean I, I did the exercise recently where you break down you know how many of the team's top 20 prospects are Himes versus Dombrowski and it's still 50 50 or I think a little bit more weighted to Dombrowski whereas at this time like in Dombrowski's tenure, I think sixteen or eighteen of the team's top twenty prospects were his, but that's only because he had traded everything he inherited.
1: Yeah, they. Bottom line is, and I like your column. I'm going to say I like your column before I read it, but like they need more, more Marcelo Myers. I mean, they need like we can we can say that we. You never know for sure, but it sure seems like that guy is going to be a really really good player. But they need more of those guys and. And, you know even the guys that trade for the major league levels Alex verdugo um mm-hmm. uh, Jeter Downs um who am I missing that they've also traded for the ma- they, they're nice pieces they're nice pieces but you need impact guys because you yeah, know Pivetta. what I mean Pivetta's Pivetta is another one to yeah is another one it yeah. seems like for a while that you got an impact guy and he sort of leveled off but I don't know if you know this because your impact guys They'll, they could potentially be gone. You need new impact guys.
0: Yeah, and that's my big fear with the direction of the team right now. You have to be able to pull the trigger on those big guys. And outside of signing Trevor Story after a weird lockout and in an offseason where there were like 28 free agent shortstops, outside of landing him you know, on the eve of spring training, they have not been players at all for these big name guys. And I'm just fearful it's like sort of you know guilty until proven innocent as far as when will i need to see that you can actually go out and get someone and not sit back and wait and see who falls through and see who's who's good value. I never want to hear the word value ever again uh, because in order to get talent, you've written about this, Dombrowski's Phillies are a perfect example. Is Kyle Schwarber overpaid? I happen to think he's not. I think he's worth what he got, but he's probably a little bit overpaid by sabermetric modeling or whatever. It does not matter. You, when you're watching that guy hit him into the eighth deck, in the playoffs you say you know what he was worth every penny I don't feel like the Red Sox under Bloom recognize that sometimes it's okay to quote unquote overpay just to get the right guy as long as you get him that's what matters most and I just I don't get that I don't get that feeling with them yet that they're willing especially in an off season where there's a lot of money, not just them but other teams too, where you're gonna have to get to use a Bradfoe term, you're gonna have to get uncomfortable. I don't know that they can.
1: We're gonna find out. So you're good at headlines. What should be the headline of this podcast?
0: Oh boy, Tomasi looks resplendent in NBC tailored suit. <laughs> no, a <laughs> hey,
1: tip All he's missing is a shap. Tomasi
0: does not believe in Heimbloom, comma Red Sox. <laughs> Oh, no, it's just a conversation. It's just. Yeah. And and listen, like, I want to be clear. I am willing, obviously, to see how this offseason plays out. They have a ton of money, and I do believe they're going to spend it. Um, You know, I'm going to believe Sam Kennedy and everybody else when they note that ownership has always spent right around the luxury tax line, sometimes going over, but they're always right around it, even these last few years because of a lot of dead money. But still, they were right at it. If they're going to be right at it again, it means they will have spent 100 million bucks this offseason. So there's a lot of ways to do that to get impact, guys. I just hope we're not picking through what's left in February. You know, that's, no, that is I'm, I'm, totally, to I'm totally, I'm totally with AOS you. Season. And that's what,
1: yeah. was, you know, obviously Ken Rosenthal does a great job, but the report that a lot of people, including our own uh, site, was aggregating, yeah, I think it was yesterday. Yep. It was, it was, you know, Rosenthal hearing from executives, Red Sox are going to spend. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, yes, the the earth is round. I mean, yeah, they they're going to spend, but to your point. They they're not going to land at like 110 million dollar payroll. They're going to spend it's just on what? What are they yeah. going to spend on? And 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 how many times will we be sitting there saying, "Well, you wanted the guy, but you got outbid for them." So, exactly. we'll find out I kept you too long. I apologize.
0: I'm not going anywhere. All right. <laughs> what next? What's the, what's the next podcast? Lighting. I'm I'm great. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hang up.